All right, y'all. Well, that's why we're here tonight, right? Because he is the only one who can, and there's no one, nothing that's better than him. There's nothing that's better than Jesus. And so I just want to say welcome. Um, if you're visiting with us, thank you for being here. And for all of us who are part of K2, we're just excited because we really do believe that every time we gather together like this, that we're with God. God is in our midst. We're going to share in his life tonight. We're going to celebrate tonight. We've got some baptisms going on tonight. So we're celebrating together. Um, but what God does, you guys, one of the most amazing miracles I think that he does out of all those that we just sang about is um, he creates a community of people who love each other and who are committed to each other and then committed to helping the world know. So I'm gonna pray for us before I dive into our message. And let's just ask, right now, let's just, I know you've been going all day. It's a beautiful day. We're here. Let's take a deep breath and let's just let the living God who loves the living daylights out of us just have his way with us, okay? Father, we love you tonight. We love you. Jesus, we love you. And we know that we only love you because you first loved us. You are a God of amazing love. We're gonna see it again tonight. So Lord, I just pray now that as your word goes out, that it will accomplish its purpose, that you will speak to each person here, no matter where we're at in our journey with you. I just pray that your grace would come along with your truth and that we'd encourage, that we would actually engage with you and experience you. Um, and I pray for that in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so I love you know, singing that song, there's nothing better than you. And that, that would probably be a good phrase, you know, every time we sat down in the morning when you spend your time with God, just to remind yourself, man, God, there's, there's nothing better than you. There just isn't. But can you imagine, <clears throat> can you imagine flipping that around? Let's say you sat down one morning and you just decided to pour out your heart to God and you said, man, God, there's nothing better than you. Can you imagine if he turned around and he goes, and there's nothing better than you? That got one chuckle. That was my wife. Thank you. <laughs> can I ask you though, Really? How many of you feel like God would say that to you? How many in your heart right now feel like God would just look at you, stare at you, and look at you in the eyes and say, man, there's nothing better than you? When I think about that, it's kind of hard, I'll be honest with you, for me to imagine that God does that. But then I just stop and I just think about what it is to be a dad. When Jesus came, he said, you all, you need to understand something. This, this God is your heavenly father. And as a dad and as a father with a father's heart, <laughs> with my kids, man, I can tell you, that's what I want to say. There's nothing better than you. I see it in every one of them and my heart just exudes out for them. In fact, uh, uh, I celebrated a birthday this week, so I'm getting older and older. And, uh, but it was one of the reasons I, uh, one of the ways I knew I was older is that I was celebrating it without my kids. Um, Mariah was here, but Ashlyn is in Fort Collins at Colorado State University. But I just want to tell you, it was so great. At the end of the night, there were four of us sitting around our table, eating some cheesecake and playing a game. And Ashlyn FaceTimed in just to, to wish me happy birthday. And then she said, can I just hang with you guys? And it was awesome. So we just took the phone and we just set it right on the table. And Ashlyn hung out with us the whole night. Yeah. There's nothing better than that. Now, Caleb, he was on a cruise, so I didn't hear about him, hear anything from him. But I tell you, man, our, our kids, they mean so much to us. 
they are, there's nothing better. And I just want you to know tonight, that's how God feels about you. That's how he sees you. You know, so most of us, uh, when I think about Caleb too, most of us have a lost child story. Any of, how many parents in here have a lost child story? Okay, some of us, not, not all of you. Be grateful you don't have one. They're horrible. Ours happened uh, with Caleb when we were at SeaWorld. How old was he? I can't even remember. Like, oh, he was really that little? Oh my gosh, I thought he was older than that. So he's, I guess he was only like four years old or so. And Susie and I had that miscommunication where I thought he was with her and she thought he was with me. And Susie and I were apart for about a, I think about a half hour. And then we finally came back together and we're like, where's Caleb? Well, he's with you. No, he's with you. Oh, you guys, that, that moment right there is, it's horrific. It's absolutely horrifying. And it's amazing how immediately you go and do anything you can and everything you can to find your child. And I want to tell you what, when we saw his sweet little face after we, we were separated from him, oh, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. Because he's my son and I love him. So, Today, our series that we've been in is called A Life That's Worth Dying For. And tonight, what we're going to talk about is that we're going to, the title for today's message is A Life Worth Searching For. A Life Worth Searching For. And your life matters to God. And here's the other thing. Everyone that you know, everyone around you matters to God. So just a reminder, we've been going through the whole, with this, this book of Luke, as we've been watching and looking at the life of Jesus, and we called it a life worth dying for, because as we're going to see again tonight, he, Jesus realizes, he goes, your life is worth dying for. And then when you get to know Jesus, and you see how awesome he is, and how wonderful he is, and who he is, then you say, man, Jesus, your life is worth me dying to myself for. I will give my life for you. And then you follow Jesus, and everything he says is, hey, by the way, everyone else's life is worth dying for. So we've been following his life, but now he's getting really close to the end of his life. Same thing we talked about last week. And again, as he's getting close to the time of his death, he has these encounters and he shares these stories that really help us to realize how important the cross was. And so uh, we're in Luke chapter 15 today. If you want to pull out your Bibles and the scripture will be up on the screen. And here we go. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. So I want you to stop here just for a second. And, and, and you know, I've read this story so many times. And when I, when I got to this, um, all, the word all just stuck out to me. Why were all the unreligious, despised, morally corrupt, gathering around to hear Jesus? <laughs> so tax collectors, right? Tax collectors who were those who chose to work for the Romans. They chose to actually work for the oppressor. The Jews were the chosen people of God. And when you chose to be a tax collector, you literally were separating yourself from the chosen people of God. So I, when you read the scripture, it says the tax collectors, why do they get brought out? Because they were like betraying the very people of God. This literally would be like Ukrainians serving Russia. So that was, that's what the spiel was like. So the tax collectors, 
The people who had abandoned the chosen people of God were all coming to Jesus. And so were the sinners. And what are sinners? They're just, they're just people who are choosing not to follow God. That's what sinners are. Isn't it interesting that the people who didn't want to follow God gathered to listen to Jesus? Why did people who didn't want to follow God want to listen to Jesus? Could it be that they had a wrong picture of God? And Jesus was coming and bringing a completely different view. And could they have had a wrong picture of God because the Pharisees, the religious people of that day, were the ones who were giving them the picture of God? And then look at what he says about the Pharisees. The very next verse is this. So the tax collectors and sinners are gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Now, welcome means to accept, come on in. But when you eat with somebody, when you ate with somebody back in that culture, you weren't just welcoming them and accepting them. You were associating with them. You were saying, I want to be a part of you and I want you to be a part of me. Now, what's interesting is that statement could have actually been said with a sense of awe. They could have said, look at Jesus. This guy eats with tax collectors and sinners. But that's not what the Pharisees were doing, is it? No, they were muttering, which means a word of indignant complaining, and they were grumbling. Can't believe that you're hanging out with people who are far from God. So then Jesus tells them this parable. And here's the story we're going to unpack. He says, suppose one of you, and by the way, I'm going to stop right there. Suppose one of you. So the first thing he does with this parable is he's trying to bring them in. He's trying to bring them into the story. He's, and, and by this scripture, he's trying to bring us in, you guys, tonight. Suppose one of you. Take, this, take his story personally. I think because what Jesus is saying to us tonight, he goes, I want you to understand what I know and I want you to feel what I feel. So suppose one of you, where am I? There I am. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, says Jesus, that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God when one sinner repents. All right? So what's Jesus trying to tell these religious people? And what's he trying to tell us tonight? Let me unpack this for you. First thing is that Jesus sees every person as his. He sees every person as his. You you guys, you can't lose something that you didn't originally possess. (laughs) 
The very fact that you're losing something means it was yours. And so the reason these sheep and these coins are valuable to this person is because they belong to him, right? What did he, what did he say? The shepherd has 100 sheep. Every one of them belonged to him. The woman had 10 coins. They all belonged to her. So what's Jesus trying to say? Here's the first thing. Every person on this planet is God's idea. Every person. Every person is God's creation and they belong to him. Every person you know is God's. And they are originally designed for one purpose, to be in union with him. We are created on this planet to be in an intimate relationship with God. So what he's saying to you, just no matter where, again, where you're at, whether you've been a Christian for your whole life or whether you're not one, God, I, he's looking at you tonight. I want you to hear him say, you're mine. You're mine. You belong to me. Now, the truth is, not everybody likes that. Not everybody likes the fact that God is saying you're mine. In fact, the following story, which we're not gonna unpack, is the prodigal son, it's the lost son, right? This guy knew that he was the son of the father and he said, I don't wanna have anything to do with you and he ran away. So not everybody is psyched about the fact that they actually belong to God. But Jesus is saying, listen to me, every person that belongs to me. Second thing is Jesus sees people who are separated from him as lost. This is his equation here. He goes, that sheep is lost. That coin is lost. These tax collectors and these sinners are lost. They are separated from me. They're not in union with me. They're mine, but we're not together. And you guys, he says later, Jesus says, eternal life, eternal life is that you know me. And that's, a, that's not a know about, it's an intimate knowing. It's, an, it's a relationship. So Jesus is just saying, people who are separated from me, in fact, in the prodigal son story, when the son finally came back home, the dad said, rejoice again with me, because he's always, everything's about rejoicing in this chapter. He, because my son was dead and he's alive again. See, for Jesus, the people who are his, that are separated, he goes, they're lost and that separation from me is actually spiritual death. So Jesus sees every person as his. Jesus sees people separated from him as lost. But I want to know this is super important. Jesus sees lost people as his. This is super important. The tax collectors, and, and, and when you read the story, I think the tax collectors and the sinners, they must have sensed this. They must have sensed this. They must have felt loved and desired and longed for. Like, can you, can you picture these guys? No, no Jew wants to hang out with these people. No religious person wants to hang out with them. And they're going, this guy actually wants to eat with us. See, they could sense something in Jesus. What Jesus, what they were sensing, they, I don't think they knew it yet, but what he was communicating through his eyes, through his love, through his words, is you are mine. Can I ask you, all of you guys who are followers of Jesus in here, you actually, you are, you've, 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 you've received Christ. You're, you're, you're a Christian today. Do you see people who are separated from God this way? Do you see lost people as belonging to God? 
I'm telling you, man, there are way too many religious people with a Christian label who don't see people the way Jesus sees them. And then I just want to say to you, if you're here tonight and you have not put your faith in Christ, if you've, if you've struggled to be with God, if, if you're afraid of him or you just are, haven't been able to bring him into your life, I, my hope today is that God, there's a great verse, uh, Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, when he shared his own testimony about how he came to God, he said, for God who made light shine out of darkness, he made his light shine in my heart so we could see the light of his glory in the face of Christ. I hope for you tonight, if you don't know God, I pray that he would shine his light into your heart so you could actually see what he's like. And what he wants to look at you, he wants to look at you like I look at my son, like my daughters who I love, because you do belong to him, you matter to him, and he loves you. That's the truth. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate here. He goes, come on, man. You guys are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. You're the ones who are representing my father and you don't love the people we love. This is huge. So Jesus sees lost people as his. And then the next thing he's trying to tell us is, and because they are his, Jesus goes after them. Like me with Caleb. Like as soon as my son is lost, I'm like, come on, man. Every, nothing else matters in the world. Nothing else matters. Any of you who've lost a kid, man, you left everything. You would do anything to get that kid back. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Because you're mine and because you're separated from me, I'm coming after you. He leaves the 99. He goes after the lost sheep. The woman searches carefully. You know, there's, there's a term in the, in the Christian world called seekers, you know, and, and for, for a long time, everybody's called K2, we, you know, like the seeker church, like we, because we want to help people who are seeking after God to feel welcome here. And I've always like, bring it. I'll take that label. But here's the truth. There's only one seeker. There's one seeker and it's God. God is constantly seeking so he can save the lost. And so, by the way, so anytime you actually ever feel any longing for God, any interest in God, any thinking about God, Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. You are being sought after, actually. <laughs> so if you're sitting here tonight and you go, man, I don't know why these stirrings are in me. It's because God is seeking after you. Because that's what Jesus says. He goes, you're mine. And I love you and I want you back. You know, I love in both these stories, in both of them, it says they searched until they found it. The shepherd sought until he found the sheep and she sought until she found the coin. This wasn't a flippant, well, you know, uh, <laughs> like when, I don't know about you, but when my kids have lost something, it's like, well, did you look for it? Yeah, I looked for it. What'd they do? They went in the room and go, yeah, I don't see it. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He goes, I am flipping everything over. It takes work. It takes time. It takes focus. It takes energy. It took commitment. It took endurance. How long, how long would I have searched for Caleb? How long would I have searched for him? Did somebody say forever? Yeah, 
Just, just ask Liam Neeson how long he would search for somebody. I mean, he, one movie wasn't even enough. He had to do three of them, right? You take my daughter. <laughs> I think Liam is a great picture of Jesus. You know, later, as the story goes on in Luke, Jesus runs into Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. So he's at the top of the game of the people who have opposed the Jewish people. But I love what he says. The people are all grumbling again. They're saying the exact same thing. I can't believe, why is he eating with this guy? And then Jesus said this, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is heading to the cross. And the whole reason he's heading to the cross is to seek and to save the lost. I love how Jesus said, he said too, my food, Jesus told his disciples one time, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food, the very thing that sustains me is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And what was that work? The work of Jesus was to seek and to save what was lost. And then I love it because he said, that was what I'm, I'm, to, I'm gonna finish it. And then on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. So Jesus came to seek and to save you guys. And, and so spiritually, okay, spiritually, the Bible helps us to realize that the lost, so anybody, anybody who's separated from God, the, the lost aren't just wandering around. What the Bible tells us is that every human being has actually been captured has been actually been enslaved by a power. It's a spiritual power that takes over every human being in sin and in darkness. It's weird when I, I this week when I was reading the news, um, I came across this story that, that apparently kidnappings for ransom in Nigeria have just become commonplace. It's just, it's just horrible. In fact, the main road, the main highway from the capital city, Abuja to Kaduna, kidnappings are happening so regular, regularly that they finally put a train so that people could, you know, because uh, guys were constantly stopping cars and, and kidnapping people. And so they finally put a train in 2016. And this week, a gang actually somehow was able to stop the train. They surrounded it. There were 970 people in this train. They surrounded it and they just started shooting <laughs> They killed seven people, they wounded 20, 22, and then an unknown number of passengers were abducted. <laughs> See, isn't that horrifying? See, what the Bible tells us is that's what's happened to every human being spiritually. It says we are actually under a dominion, a power of darkness. And they, just like these kidnappers do it for ransom, the language in scripture uses this language to help us to understand what it is to be lost. So a, 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 the word redemption, redemption is very close to salvation. And you know what redemption is? Redemption is when you, something belonged to you and it got lost or it got stolen. It was really used as a prisoner of war. So a foreign country takes you away. You're in the prisoner of war. You could redeem the prisoner. You could pay a ransom and then you could bring them back. And what the Bible says is Jesus came to seek. Like Liam Neeson, he came to seek, 
to pay the ransom, to rescue you, to redeem you from this power, from the spiritual sickness, I would call it, that every human being is under, that makes us want to live for ourselves and not follow God. If you, if you haven't been following God, you're just, it's because you're human. But Jesus says, you originally are mine. You are mine. So I'm coming to get you. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says this, for he has rescued us. You guys, that's why Jesus said, you go after what's lost. You seek after it because I'm going to rescue you from the dominion of darkness. And he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 says, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. See, when I, when I think about this, and I'll be honest with you, when I pray for people who I love, who I want to come back into relationship with God, the image I usually have, I'm not trying, the image, because I think it's scriptural, is people are literally in a prison cell. And I always picture the good old, you know, like medieval prison cells where you get thrown in and the walls are thick and the iron gate clashes and the guy's standing outside, you know, and you're shackled. And, and then what do you, you want to say? Come on, get out of there. Like, no, you don't get out of there. And can I just tell you, you don't get out of your sin by trying to be a better person. You just don't. Jesus comes and he rescues you. And it's by grace, which is a complete gift. You're sitting in the power of sin. And Jesus says, I'm coming after you because you are mine and I love you, and I will pay the price, this redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus on the cross finally was saying, it is finished. I'm paying the price so that you can be completely forgiven of all your sin, and you can be reconciled back to God. When I was reading this story, and it said, right, they, they sought him until they found it, until they found it until the job was done. And Jesus said the job is done when he was on the cross. He says, it is finished. Well, what does that mean? I think Jesus searches until he finds us and he finished the work on the cross because on the cross, you know what he did? He literally paid the price for every single person on the planet. It's like every, per every person's shackles fell off. Everybody's prison door is flung wide open. Every person right now, it is finished. Jesus has already paid the price. He's already died for you. He's already offering his life to you. He's already forgiven you. And all you have to do is put your faith in him and walk in. But when you walk out of that cell, you walk into Christ. But I want to tell you tonight, if any of you, if any of you know, You've just been separated from God. You have been. Jesus is saying to you tonight, you can come home. You can come home. I love you. I've already come for you. I've already forgiven you. And you just have to put your faith in me. Want to give your life 
to me like I gave my life to you. That's what he's trying to say. And you guys, and then what happens? Every time he finally finds them, what happens? Jesus throws a party. <laughs> he throws a party when one person is found. And so, and, this, and there's two things that, are, that it shows us in this party. Number one, it's communal. Did you notice that? That the, 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 the shepherd and the woman didn't just come home and go, woohoo, you know, and find a, no, they, they invited all of their friends and they said, come celebrate with me. And I just think that's so cool because that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to celebrate baptisms. Why? Because God wants to celebrate with us together in what he's doing. But here's the other thing. The party is heavenly. Look at this. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. There is a party when one person turns to God. And so just know that tonight. If you would turn to Jesus and say, I do want you to forgive me and I do want to be reconciled back to God, then you need to see the picture of God, man. He's going to be celebrating like I was when I found my son. And he's going to throw a party. You need to know that this is how God feels about you. So before we celebrate our baptisms, real quick, I just want to ask you, uh, the rest of us, what about the 99? But what about the rest of us? If we don't cause that type of rejoicing, then what do we cause? What, what, what do we actually bring to God? And you know what he says we bring? We bring pleasure. We bring pleasure to God. He celebrates when something is lost and it comes back. But when somebody is, when a sheep is super faithful, when your kids are just really good kids and they stay right by your side, you're like, oh, this is nice. I like kids who just listen and do what they, that's, we bring pleasure to God. And he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that means with faith, we please him. And one of the things he tells us, he's gonna say to us one day is, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Come and share in your master's happiness. And I just wanna say, you know how we please God, you guys? If you're a Christian, here's what's true about you. You have been born of God's spirit. Jesus says, I literally am living spiritually in you. Can I ask you a question? If Jesus is in you and he would leave heaven and seek until he finds it and save every person on this planet, if he's living in us, then what are we supposed to be doing? We seek because Jesus seeks. We pray for people because Jesus loves people. We offer our lives to him and we say, God, I understand this. I will give my life to join you in seeking and saving the lost. And so we do that, guys, by blessing. We, we, we've said this so many times, but that's why I say, what do we do? So here's what, here's what we can know tonight, okay? What can we just, the word of God, Jesus has just spoke to us. What's he, what can we just agree with? Here's what we can agree with. Every person belongs to him. People who are separated from him are lost. And Jesus sees lost people as his and he goes after them because they're his. That's what we can know, okay? So then what are we gonna do? How, what, what changes tonight? What changes tonight? Because we know that. Well, if I'm a follower of Christ, one of the things that changes is, okay, 
Do I care? (laughs) Do I have God's heart for the world? Do I have God's heart for the people who are separated from him? And if you don't, then the first thing you got to do tonight is go, Jesus, give me your heart. Give me your love for the people on this planet. You guys, that's why the church is one of the main reasons the church is here on this planet is to finish God's work of getting every person a chance to hear about his love. And so how do we do that? We've had this BLESS acronym, right? B-L-E-S-S. B is begin with prayer. Man, just, just start right now. Pray for yourself to get God's heart and then pray for people so that they can come to know him. And then the L is listen. Listen. Don't just go off and just start pounding on people with the gospel. Get to know people and hear them. Find out who they are. Listen to them. Find out what they do believe. Find out why they are separated from them. Just listen. And then my favorite one is eat together. That's the E. Just eat together because it bonds you in relationship. And then the first S is you serve them. And then just serve people. Just serve them. And then the last S finally is then share. Share your story. Share what Jesus has meant to you. And then share the good news of how Jesus came to love them and to bring them back into relationship with God. Man, all the tax collectors and the sinners were gathering to hear Jesus. I wanna be a guy and I want K2 to be a church. The people who don't know God would say, I wanna be with you. I wanna be with you. Let's have that love in our hearts for every person on this planet because Jesus does, okay? All right, so here's what we're gonna do is we are actually gonna celebrate our baptisms right now. And and, and a baptism, again, you guys, is a physical demonstration of the spiritual reality. So when you put your faith in Christ, two things happen. He goes, you are baptized, he says, into my death. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died to forgive you of all of your sins. So there's, every person who's baptized is gonna go down, like as a symbol of baptism, into the water. And that's the symbol of absolutely being cleansed and being forgiven of all of your sin. But we're also baptized into his resurrection. And so you get raised out of the water, clean and washed. But Jesus says, but if you're baptized into my resurrection, that means my spirit is inside you so you can live a new life. You can live a life free from sin and empowered with love and grace and mercy to follow God all the days of your life. So that's what we're going to celebrate. We got two of them. So I'll hand it over to Derek.